Welcome to Mission Control, where we give you step-by-step instructions on how to take your e-commerce store to levels only a rocket can reach. Each episode, we'll be interviewing an expert in the e-commerce industry that is going to give you simple, actionable advice on how to attract new customers, retain them, and build a brand that you are proud of. This show is brought to you by the makers of Rocket Car, an e-commerce service and solutions company. All right, welcome to the next episode of Mission Control. I'm your host, Alex Ivanoff of Rocket Car, and uh, today we have a really awesome guest, good friend of mine, Adam Andrews, calling out of Austin, and super excited to have you, Adam. Uh, you know, tell us a little bit about you know what you do, and you know, just introduce yourself. Yeah, hey, thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here. And um, I'm actually calling in from California right now. Went uh, home to celebrate the holidays with the family. Oh, so nice. I'm spending some time out here. But um, yeah, so hey guys, I'm Adam Andrews. I I guess you could describe me as a serial entrepreneur. Uh, I've been in business since I was like 12, 13 years old. Um, started from like mowing lawns and lemonade stands all the way up to e-commerce, Instagram influencer marketing, and now I got my hands in a bunch of crypto stuff, NFT related. And um, yeah, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're super pumped. I mean, you're the probably the first guest that we've had that has as much experience as you do in the Web3 world, um, even though I think, you know, we'll talk about it, but you, you just recently like got, you know, elbow deep into crypto less than or maybe around a year ago. But, uh, you know, you're already like off to the races with a lot of projects. Um, so that, that's going to be super interesting and we're, you know, definitely here to talk about like the intersection between e-com and web three, because I know you have experience in both. Um, so to talk about your story a little bit and to kind of, you know, dig deep into your background, uh, you got into e-com and online marketing in high school, right? 2012. Yes. Somewhere around there. I think I was like 13 or 14 years old. Um, and I, I believe it was like my late freshman, early sophomore year of, of high school is when I got into like influencer marketing and, and e-commerce. Tell us about that. Like, how did you get in there? And you, you got off to a quick start. Cause I remember you said like you were doing influencer marketing and you were getting some pretty big numbers right, right off the start. Yeah. Yeah. So what I had initially done was once I realized and, and I got on Instagram, I kind of got on Instagram pretty late. Um, like I, I was one of those people in high school who was like, Oh, I don't want to waste my time on that. You know, I can be doing other things. And then once I started seeing a bunch of brands get on it and like big businesses paying attention to it, I was like, okay, there's, there's probably something here. And so what I did was started some niche pages. So I love cars. I'm very passionate about cars and, you know, making money online. And so uh, my very first Instagram page, uh, don't quote me on this, but I believe it was money making mindset was the at or okay. uh, something like that. And I just started posting like luxury content and I started a couple other car posting pages and started posting. Dude, my, my page was a exclusive customs. Like I put custom builds of like cars or custom wrap, like gaming consoles or sneakers and stuff. I did that for like a month and I had like 20 posts and I went back on like a couple years later, there was like a couple thousand followers. I was like, Oh shit. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But yeah. Dude. So like I, I pretty much started in the same way, you know, I just, started copying what people were doing, posting, you know, content that was going viral and that I was constantly seeing on the the news feed and the explore page. And 
And so, you know, I slowly started realizing when brands started reaching out to these pages, once they hit 10, 20, 50,000 followers, that they would pay me to post their products and promote their, their businesses. And I was like, yo, what? <laughs> I can just like make money from my phone and <laughs> repost other people's like content. Hell yeah, this is awesome. And so I, I went like, I mean, heavily into Instagram influencer marketing. There was a point when I had multiple iPad, or, uh, not iPads, iPods and phones with different accounts before you could have multiple accounts on mm. one device. Okay. And so like, and I was like logging in out of, in and out of like different accounts. I mean, I probably had 40 or 50 accounts at one point um, that were owned solely by me and a following of a little over 36 million and a network of um, other Instagram influencers who would like and comment and help promote my stuff. And we had yeah. over a billion uh, uh, followers in audience reach. And so when I started really leveraging that network and selling ads on my own network and like pimping out my other network followers and like my homies who also have pages and giving them business and getting a kickback, I was like, yo, this is all right, cool. Like, let's, let's keep doing this. And, you know, I just started building pages. Um, and then it kind of like, came like into pages or yeah, just, just real niche pages. So like luxury cars, yeah tech related, you know, anything that I saw there would be a buyer for on social media in terms of like, I don't know, knickknack items like, like phone cases or, or AirPods or, or, you know, earbuds and whatever. Um, and then I kind of got into e-commerce. I got into the side of things. I met someone who was a brand owner who had purchased a bunch of, you know, social media posts through my niche pages. And I asked him, I was like, yo, like how much money do you make when you when you you know pay me a thousand bucks to post on on my social medias he's like oh um i don't know let me let me check and like these were literally instagram messages he goes uh i don't know let me check and then he sends back a screenshot of the seven day window uh from when we started promoting and when we were done promoting on my pages and he made eighteen thousand dollars and i was like <laughs> whoa whoa will you teach me? And he was yeah. like, no, but no, but you can learn from my mentor. And he sent me a link to someone who was teaching drop shipping online. And I was like, and then I just went down this drop shipping rabbit hole and started drop shipping and e-commerce. And yeah, um, that's, that's kind of how I got started in e-commerce and, and like online marketing. That's, that's awesome. So you're a high school kid, sophomore, junior, and you're managing 40, 50 Instagram pages. You must have literally like not been doing homework and just going home and spending the time on your devices, like posting all day, right? Like, what were you doing well, with your life? Yeah. So um, in a brief stint before I started doing like Instagram influencer marketing, I did some stock trading. And so okay. I was used to getting up early in the morning because I lived in California at the time and ah, market opens yeah. in the East Coast. You got to, you know, be up at five prepping a trading strategy yeah. for the day and like figuring out what you're going to buy. And so... I was used to getting up early. So I just woke up and I had my posting schedule set for, I would post once on each account before I went to school, once during lunch when I was at school, and then twice after school, like once right after school, whenever I got a Wi-Fi signal, and then, you know, later in the evening. When so four times on every to, account? So like four times on every account. Yeah. So I was posting like, I don't know, what is that? <laughs> 200 posts a day? 
Yeah, so, like it was an insane amount of. of so we were bringing all these devices was... to the lunch table at lunch. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> like, just like a stack of phones, bro. That's like, amazing. IPods. Yeah. yeah. Your friends um, probably thought you were insane, and then you probably showed them how much oh, money you're making. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I got yeah absolutely. It's like the typical entrepreneurship thing where like your yeah. friends are like, oh that's weird. Like why do you have so many yeah. phones? You know you're not gonna make any money, and it's like, <laughs> I'm not gonna tell you how much money I'm making, but like, yeah. Hey, bro. I drive my own car, you know? I don't <laughs> yeah, <worry>. right. <laughs> Your and you're, parents you're, bought yours. <laughs> hey, hey, and you're in you're in high school, so that's kind of like a low-key flex. Like, ah, I pay for my right, own gas. Right, right. You know? Right, right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I, you know, I've, I've paid my own, like, uh, toll ticket or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so now, all right, so after that, you know, you, you, you get into e-commerce, and I believe, where do you go from here? Like, do you start your own e-com agency after you're doing dropshipping, or, you know, where, where do you go from here? Now, so I, I kind of simultaneously ran those accounts while learning dropshipping and like Facebook ad strategy. And like, I didn't start my, for my, my, my own dropshipping um, store for probably six months. I did like probably six months worth of like research. And then once I realized I wanted to go that route, I started selling off some of these Instagram pages that I own so I could put more time into Smart. focusing on e-commerce and developing my skill set there. And so I started selling those off and slowly selling those off until I got to a point where I was like, okay, like I got these couple niche pages that are pretty, pretty broad in audience, right? They weren't like car specific or tech specific. They were kind of like a gen, like you would have a general store for drop shipping, right? Like a ton of products that you test. I just had like a general meme page and a couple of them, right, to post ads on. And so I started this general store and like, you know, go through the typical product testing, putting, you know, $5, $5 a day in Facebook ad strategy like that. And then posting on, on my Instagram pages. And, you know, I started with a general store and that kind of like fizzled out. I couldn't really get any good, good products to, to really generate any good income. I was pretty much breaking even for the, at least the first six months. And then um, fidget spinners came out. Remember yeah, those? Of yeah. Oh of course. my gosh, bro. And Me and my brother so, printed them <laughs> like in a 3D oh, printer. Oh, like a 3D printer. Oh, that's yeah. so cool. Um, so right when that trend started to pop off, I was like, all right, like we definitely have to hop on this. So like we had a bunch of different fidget spinners. We, you know, grabbed a website URL, threw it up on Shopify, made it look nice. Um, started promoting it on, on the influencer accounts that I, that I own those niche pages and it really started to take off. And I think that's when I, I, I think I made my first 20,000 in profit from fidget spinners. Okay. And I was like, yo, there's, some, <laughs> there's really something here. I could, I could do six figures this month. It happened in like seven days. Yeah. And I was like, Whoa, how are you promoting crazy. it? Or how are you getting traffic to it? So Facebook ads, and then Instagram influencer marketing through my pages. Um, okay. And then and once you I realized- teach yourself all that? Or like besides- Yeah. Just, you taught yourself the advertising? Yeah. So that course that the guy who sent me, like the dropshipping course, um, from when he was buying ads from my niche pages, he sent me a dropshipping course that he was taking. And I went through that and learned and then um, went through a bunch of like YouTube videos on, on Facebook marketing. Um, mm -hmm. what, what was his name? Ben, Ben Malal, Ben. 
Ben something. And he had just like this great Facebook ad strategy, supposedly was making a ton of money. You know, I don't really know. I don't know where he's at now. Probably still doing marketing. But um, yeah, I learned all my stuff from like Facebook blueprint and YouTube videos and some courses. And so I just went, hey, like, let's try it. Let's see what happens, you know? Um, mm -hmm. And fidget spinners really, really popped off for me. And then like even more so of those like knickknack things that you would just like play with yeah. um, that were complementary to those fidget spinners were pretty hot for a while. Um, and so I had this like weird general store that was just like a bunch of AliExpress products that were shipped out. And it was, it was a good learning experience. I, I apologize if you've ever ordered from that store. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because like my customer service was just not there bro sure like it was me i was like answering emails people were pissed because like they were shipping from china so it'd take like 30 days to get yeah. their product they're like i want this now because it was like you know it's fidget spinners everybody yeah, had it. them yeah. and they wanted it instantly because they wanted to take it to school with them or like whatever and so my clientele was like very i, I don't want to say low end but you know, it was like probably high schoolers and college sure. students like wanting a fidget spinner. Right. And so sure. they were not the most patient, um, customers. And I was also not the most patient, um, <laughs> service provider or product provider. Yeah. Um, so that didn't really go well, uh, after, I don't know, probably after like a year of that, I had, I had a lot of ups and downs in terms of like revenue and finding good products. Couldn't really make any, any good products work. And so I was like, you know what? Drop shipping is, I don't, I don't think this is it, man. This is like, I don't know. Let's, let's reset and focus on something else and see what we can do. And that's when I launched my first, um, like fashion brand. It was like a, it was a legit brand. It was me trying to launch a legit fashion brand and it was called the real dapper fit. And we did a, we did an okay job. Um, we launched that with, I think, $2,500 in total marketing expenses. We went influencers only because I was just wasting money on Facebook. I couldn't figure out Facebook cold. And so I was like, let's just push a bunch of traffic that comes from Instagram to our page and then just retarget them with whatever they viewed um, using Facebook. Because, you know, retargeting is easy. That's just, that's yeah. just easy money. And, and so I did that. And we launched that with $2,500 in, you know, ads that we, that we sent to influencers and we did like 25 K in the first month. And mm -hmm. I was like, Whoa, okay, cool. Let's keep doing this. And we did that for like six months. And then, um, some fashion conglomerate in Texas reached out and they were like, Hey, we want to purchase, we want to purchase the real dapper fit. And I was like, really? Yeah. <laughs> Why? Seriously? <laughs> Like w why it was nothing, but like, dude, looking back on it now and, and, and the knowledge that I have now. And, um, I was like, wow, I cannot believe somebody bought that store, but yeah, they ended up buying it. They, uh, they wanted the customer list and they wanted the list of, um, influencers that we were marketing with and the contacts directly to them. Um, and so I was like, sure, you know, you can give me that amount. I can't say it. Uh, sure. but, uh how big was your was customer like, yeah, list at the time? You can. Um, it wasn't that big. It was like a few thousand, I think Wow. probably in probably in the range of like four or 5,000 at, okay. at the six month point. So like it decent was, amount. it was a, it was a decent amount. Um, yeah. in terms of like returning customers, I, I really just, I don't remember. Um, but yeah, I, I think we had, that was 
my biggest taste in e-com. Like that was the first six figures we ever did. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and that really turned me on to like Facebook advertising. I, I, I operate my life with kind of like a little chip on my shoulder. Like I need, I need to be able to do everything or like I need to be able to understand everything. And so once I finished with that, the real dapper fit and that like drop shipping store, I was like, all right, I got a chip on my shoulder and it's Facebook ads and I cannot figure these things out. So like I just dove into Facebook ads full time, trying to figure it out, offering to run ads for free for like solar companies or plumbers in my local area. Cause I was like, all right, I like, I got to figure this out. There's got to be something here. There's a ton of people talking about it. Like there's loads of people making money using Facebook ads. Like that's all I see on the internet. And so I just dove really deeply down this rabbit hole, spent probably 10 or 15,000 on different courses from different, you know, Facebook ad experts. Right. (laughs) And, and I finally, like, I think after like a year of learning and just headache after headache, I finally, it was like crack the code and was able to start generating leads for local businesses. And I was like, okay, well, that was a long time. That was, that was a lot of effort to figure this out. But then I figured it out and I was like, ah, okay. It just all clicked. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that's, uh, I guess how I got started in e-commerce, I suppose. I don't remember where this, this, uh, question, no, it's, it's where okay. this conversation it's, started. It's very interesting to see like people's progression. Um, I don't know if you know, if you follow Alex Ramosi at all, but he, he has this concept of skill stacking and it's not even like a new concept. It's just like a nice label for it, uh, where, people go through phases in their life and they learn a certain skill. And, you know, after step one, the phase two, phase three, phase four, they're, they're building on that first skill, their second skill that they learned. So it seems like, you know, your first skill you learned was like hustling. <laughs> and then your second skill was just social media and going viral with stuff. Then it's like, oh, how do I network with influencers on top of my virality and make money doing so? You know, then it's how do I build a brand and get it, get it going viral myself. And then now it's, you know, learning the marketing it's you know uh, uh the cold marketing digital audience stuff uh you know for your brands so it's it's an interesting way to kind of dive deep into you know how that that came about so fast forwarding you know now uh the past few years you've had your own agency where you're running you know uh, like you said for for other brands mainly e-commerce brands uh, i don't think you do it too much anymore but you did it for a while uh and then you started getting into web3 so talk about i guess as you started to wind down in the e-commerce world, uh, you told me personally that you kind of like lost a little bit of a passion for the e-commerce world. I don't know if that was due to you just finding more of a passion for Web3 or just something else in e-com, but talk, talk to me a little bit about that transition. Yeah, it was, it was like, honestly, it was a little bit of both. Um, having worked in e-commerce and like the agency side of e-commerce in terms of like, ad spend and paid media and that whole management, I just, I kind of lost the passion for the clients and, and, and the work I was doing as a whole, right. It just felt repetitive. It, it wasn't fun anymore. I, because like, to me, I, I don't think I'll ever lose the passion for e-commerce or commerce in general. I love the challenge of taking a product like this putting an image online and then putting text in front of some random stranger that I've never 
heard of in my life and convincing them to sell or convincing them to buy this product, right? Yeah. Whether it be a hat, a glasses, t-shirt, whatever it is. Um, but it, it just got to a point where it was just so repetitive that I was like, honestly, this is boring. The clientele was like not worth the money. And I was like, I kind of want to just figure out something else. And yeah. so at this point in time, I kind of started stepping away. I, I partnered with another ads agency to keep a little bit more income coming in as I like let go of clients, right? Cause I still needed money. And so I was, I took a media buying position at an agency and was partnering with them on their growth strategy. And, and then I just fell into this rabbit hole of NFTs and crypto. Like I was, I was going through a bad breakup at the time and I was trying to give myself something to do after work hours and like after managing my business that wasn't business focused because you can only do so much in a day. And yeah. so I would often scroll YouTube or TikTok and, and watch like motorcycle related content. I love motorcycles. That's a huge passion of mine. And one day I was just scrolling through YouTube and I saw this video and it said how I made $10,000 in 10 minutes flipping an NFT. And it reminded me of e-commerce and like diving down the rabbit hole of like, I made X amount with X amount on Facebook in seven days, right? It, 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 it flipped that switch in my head. And I was like, is this like another Facebook ads 2.0 type thing? Like, let, okay, it's a 10 minute video. Fuck it. Let's watch it. Um, and so I watched it and then I just dove down this rabbit hole into NFTs and e-commerce, not e-commerce, NFTs and crypto um, and realized I wanted to really step away from e-commerce. And I think like maybe two months after diving down that NFT rabbit hole, I was like, all right, uh, I'm going to like pretty much completely even stop talking to clients. Like I want to automate myself out a hundred percent. I want to stop doing media buying. Like I broke off the partnership I had and, and kind of like walked away clean. Right. And so I left that business to be managed and just took one meeting a week and just dove full on into NFTs. Um, and yeah, that's, that's this where was we are when, today. This is 2021. What time? This was like, I got into like the first video I watched that $10,000 in 10 minutes video was like late August or early September. Um, because I, because I remember vividly, yeah, of, of 2021, I remember vividly making my first like $18,000 trade off of a $600 NFT. And I was like, Whoa, yeah, what just you got happened? Like, yeah. And so I, I, I did, I really did. Um, I, I think timing has a lot to do with it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, but, but yeah. Um, anyways, a couple months later we launched our own project and now we got a bunch of different stuff going on. Yeah, I remember August 2021 is when I started to learn uh, what NFTs were. And, you know, I, I think I bought my first few that month or maybe September. And it just seemed like everyone and their mother was getting rich uh, in NFTs. And it was impossible to lose money um, if you if you just sold, if you held it for like two days and sold it. Uh, and everybody kept thinking it was just going to keep going and going and going. And I remember vividly, like in September, looking back after OpenSea released the trading volume for August, 
and then comparing it to the rest of 2021, it was like exponentially like 10 times higher than July and every other month that came before that. Um, and I don't think it's ever touched uh, the August 2021 levels since. Um, that month was just insane. So yeah, definitely you got in at a really good time. Um, you, you picked a good spot. It seems like you, same thing with the, the influencer thing and then the viral meme pages, like you kind of just sniped everything at a perfect time. I feel like I, I've gotten into to markets at a, at a, at a good time for sure. Um, I don't think it was, I don't think it was a purposeful thing at all. Like, <laughs> um, you know, I, I gave myself a $2,500 investment budget when I got into NFTs and I was like, all right, if this doesn't work out, we'll just go back to media buying or like go, go do something else. Um, and dude, I think the, the, the first trade I lost 650 and I was like, uh, it is true. Like, th like this shit's just, it's, this is bullshit. Right. And then the second trade I made, I made 18,000 and I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yo, no way. Um, and then, you know, it was, a it was a sloppy road after that. I think I made like eight or nine pretty bad trades. I had like $652 left in my MetaMask wallet at the time of that 2,500. And then all, all the other ones were like in NFTs that either didn't sell, weren't worth a shit, or I was waiting to sell them because I thought they were going to go up. And so I got in on this, this mint called Mechaverse and I was able to buy one. That's, it was $648 after all fees and stuff that are associated with the blockchain. And how and much was left in the wallet? Uh, like like four dollars or something. There was six hundred fifty two and you yeah, spent six fifty two yeah. minus six forty eight. Yeah, so Holy there was like cow. three or four bucks left. And I was like, all right, literally hey, thirty seconds it. later, the gas fees yeah. would have been too much. <laughs> yeah, seriously. And so I was like, all right, this is it. Like this is this is my last trade with the twenty five hundred bucks. Um, I sold that NFT like two or three days later for thirty thousand dollars. <laughs> that's crazy man that's yeah crazy. bro so so i took that that 30 grand after after os fees and and royalty fees for the project it was it came out to like twenty eight thousand. so i took that twenty eight thousand and i took that eighteen thousand. i put it together and traded it up to close to a half million dollar portfolio of nfts in like the next six months um which is like mind-boggling uh yeah in retrospect but yeah and then the market just took a shit um mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So that's, that's kind of like NFT trading journey and whatnot. And in the midst of all that, I, uh, I launched a project and now we're launching multiple and I run a podcast. Yeah. I was going to say, it only makes sense, right? Someone that's, they know they want to get out of e-com. They start diving headfirst into crypto. They make 30 grand on one trade, half a million in six months. Like it only makes sense that you start your own project. Um, so let's get into that. You have, uh, the ones I know about are just cubes and blockchain bottles. So I'm sure there's a couple more in the works or already live. Let's, let's, let's hear about them. So, you know, tell us about those two at least. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, just cubes is the baby, you know, we're coming up on, I believe is today the 27th. Yeah. Today's yeah. the 27th. Today is our one year tweet anniversary from when we launched the Twitter account. Nice. So, Congrats. Um, cheers to one year. Um, yeah. So we launched that and it took us about four months to get everything ready to, you know, actually launch into the market. Who'd you launch it with? Just people that you met like in the community? Yeah, dude, like uh, some some random people that I met within a discord somewhere and we just mm -hmm. became friends, started talking on a daily basis and trading NFTs. And um, 
you know, the blockchain allows you to do that through smart contract technology. You can launch a business. And if you understand how to read a smart contract, you know, you're not going to get screwed out of whatever portion of the, the funds that you raise or that you, you know, NFT value that you sell, you know, you're not going to get screwed. Right. Um, and so that, that was, that was, that made it feel really safe. Right. And we ended up launching that project. We, um, the launch didn't go as planned. Um, we actually only ended up, ended up selling 50% of the original supply we had planned on selling. Um, but at that point, like, honestly, we we're just happy because the market literally just started tanking. Yeah. And after November. we, yeah, we, we sold out of our collection, um, you know, at, I think it was like April 6th, April 6th or 7th, one of those two days is when we had just a giant influx of buyers. And, you know, ever since then, we've just been trying to like develop new projects um, and products within that ecosystem for Just Cubes. Um, and so I'll, I'll kind of just give you a brief overview of like what Just Cubes does. Sure. Um, so similar to a payment processor, there is a fee that's involved. So for you e-com guys that are listening, um, you know, let's say it's Stripe and that transaction that is happening takes, let's say five seconds to go through on the computer screen for your customer, right? Um, now, if you're selling exclusive things that sell out very quickly, like let's say Supreme, those are often botted and they sell out instantly. And as a normal everyday user, you likely don't have a chance of getting a drop or an allocation of like a piece of clothing. And so what our technology does is it helps you get in front of that line. It helps you um, decrease your transaction time on the Ethereum blockchain. Therefore, getting an allocation of an NFT or of a token first, right? So it allows you essentially to get ahead of the line, get your NFT or get your crypto, uh, and then be able to quickly get out if it spikes, right? Um, and so... That's what our technology does in the bull market. It is absolutely unparalleled. I mean, we're, we have people that are, that are, you know, competing with bots using our technology, just, you know, clicking computers like screen uh, buttons on the computer screen. Right. Without uh, having to run their own bot basically. Exactly. Without having to have their own bot. And so we, we offered that and then we were like, Hey, why don't we build our own bot? And so we started developing our own bot um, back in like May and you know, we've, we've done that. We have a few other features. I won't get too nitty gritty in terms of like details of, of how things work, but um, yeah, that's what, that's what our software does. And then we got approached by somebody who owns the branding rights to the Saltis family name. And that is in relation to blockchain bottles. The actual full entity name is blockchain bottles by Saltis. And what that is, is a web three whiskey brand uh, built by DGENs for DGENs, right? With origins from a DGEN. And if any listeners don't understand yeah, what tell a DGEN us what that means. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just like um, a degenerate, right? Someone who like, that's, that's our, that's how people view the, the people in the NFT space. Like we just buy monkey JPEGs and get high and make <laughs> millions of dollars. Right. And so right. we're labeled as degenerates, right. Or like the black sheep. And so, um, yeah, we were approached by the Saltis family and the owners of that um, brand. And they were like, hey, we want to do a whiskey. Can you do the marketing? Because they saw that we did the marketing for Just Cubes, which I will say was very hard. 
it's very hard to sell a, a pixelated cube on the internet, yeah. um, even with all the hype. And so uh, they were like, dude, we saw what you did. Like, that's, that's really impressive. Do you want to do something in the whiskey space? And I was like, huh, I never thought about that. Let me think about it. Sure. And mm-hmm. so we got on a call and uh, they were like, you know, if, if you guys want to integrate blockchain technology in some way, feel free. And so we just started brainstorming ideas and we're like, dude, what if we just did like super exclusive high-end whiskey drops that were very limited? So we're doing a collection of 2,222 as our first drop where we'll split up the, um, I guess, selection of whiskey by a two-year pecan-flavored bourbon and then a four-year Kentucky straight um, bourbon whiskey. And so you'll be able to mint either of those. And those NFTs that are tied to the bottles will get you access to private events around the world that we're going to host or that we're sponsoring, crypto events that we have booths at, um, you know, private access to whiskey and cigar lounges that we work out deals with and discounts to different, uh, you know, barware products or glassware or things like that, right? So um, a drinking club. (laughs) Right, pretty much a drinking club. Um, and to just kind of continue adding value to that NFT on the back end instead of it just getting you a bottle, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, there's only ever going to be 2,222 of this first drop. Like, there will be no more. Um, we do have bottles that are safe for marketing and stuff, but those won't get labeled with the, you know, one of 2,222. Um, yeah, and our, our, our goal with this is to just help onboard more people uh, into Web3, right? We want to bring Web3 to a traditionally Web2 market mm-hmm. and and tap into that market and be like, hey, look, this is what, what NFT technology can do. Come in here, enjoy a high-end whiskey, learn about the technology behind it and like the benefits of it and enjoy a great whiskey with, with friends. So we just want it to be like a place where people come, hang out, talk about crypto, talk about, you know, whiskey and and chill. Right. We want it to be a very chill, laid back, educational, fun environment for for our end user. Cool. So I, I could see where the concept for blockchain bottles came from. Where did the concept for just cubes come from? Because I'm a Rubik's Cube freak. Uh, I have these on my desk all the time. And if they are sitting there unsolved, my OCD triggers and I have to solve it. Um, a lot of my teammates yell at me because in the background of Zoom meetings, if it's a loud one, I can just they're going to hear me and I'm fiddling with it. Um, it's just like an OCD thing. But, you know, I love Rubik's Cube. So I'm just curious, like, where did the Cubes idea come from? Yeah, dude, uh, it came from us being DGENs, man. Uh, we were <laughs> we were brainstorming one night. We really didn't want to be another, like, Bored Ape Yacht Club knockoff, right? We didn't like want to an be animal, another CryptoPunk yeah. knockoff. We didn't want to be, you know, some some knockoff. We wanted to do something original. And so, like, we were looking and trying to find something to do original. We were like, what if we did like shapes with faces on them? And my co-founder, um, he's actually a lawyer, but he's our artist for the project as well. He was playing around on his iPad one night. We were drunk in Discord voice chat, just hanging out, sending different ideas, trying to trying to, trying to to formulate like what we were going to do. And he sends this cube and it's not animated. It's just got like this stupid looking face on it. And I was like, nah, hell no, that looks dumb. And, and he was like, no, I, I think it kind of looks cute. It's got a little cute factor <laughs> to it. I was like, nah, like 
I'm not selling cubes. Like, eh, it's just not going <laughs> to happen. Like, that's that's a that's a that's a negative from me. Sure. Um, and then I don't know. We we fucked around for a couple hours, and I'm sorry, I didn't uh, ask if we could curse. Yeah, you know, you're good. You absolutely okay, good. All right, cool. <laughs> By um, the way, you cursed earlier too. <laughs> I, I did, but I was so in like a flow of the conversation. I was like, oh, they it's all good. It out. Yeah, no, it's all good. <laughs> sorry, I didn't even bother to ask. Um, but. Yeah, so we were just messing around and ended up like falling asleep on Discord voice chat, I think in my chair. And I woke up and there's just like a wall of these cubes in this Discord chat. <laughs> and there's just, you know, it's just a bunch of them. There's like 20 or 30 of these things. And he had been working on them at the at the timestamp of when I said goodnight to right. the last message that he sent. He'd been working on them for like four hours at like yeah. midnight. And I was like, wait, these kind of look good. Why do they look good? And I called him and I was like, yo, why do these look so good? And he's like, I don't know. I just played around. I was just like trying to do different stuff. And I was like, what if we let, let's hop on, on discord voice chat. And we all hopped on discord voice chat and we started brainstorming name ideas. And we just came up with just cubes. Like "Hmm, it's just a cube. And we thought it was kind of funny. We thought it was ironic because it's not just a cube. It's not just like a picture, like a normal NFT project would be right at that time. Like you got a, a PFP and you were lucky if you got access to like, I don't know, anything like yeah, anything. It was very, and the so, utility is very limited. It still yeah, is sometimes. like the utility was super limited. And we we're like, what if we just named it just cubes? So people think like, oh, it's just a cube. But on the back end, we just provide a shitload of utility. Like, a trading bot, trading alerts, you know, uh, wallet tracking software, uh, a node. And we were just like, hmm, I think we're onto something here. And so we typed up a little bio and sent it to some of our, our homies. And they were like, huh, it's going to be a hard sell. But I think once people understand like the utility behind it, they'll get, they'll get on board. Um, and so, yeah, long story short, we like, we developed a game as well and um, a bunch of just different utilities and, and we continue to do so. Uh, and so, yeah, that's long story short, how just cubes came about, you know, that's it awesome. definitely wasn't like, it wasn't my first choice to pick a cube PFP and go market it. It was, it was pretty difficult, but uh, yeah, it turned out pretty well. I've always wondered what the fascination is because, you know, for anyone listening, you know, if you're listening to the audio version, go to, go to just cubes NFT on OpenSea and you'll see like these, these are pixelated cubes. Like it's not high resolution at all. And it reminds you of CryptoPunks a little bit. And I've always wondered like, what was the fascination with CryptoPunks being the number one project in the world? And they look absolutely awful. You don't even know what you're looking at really. <laughs> um, so, you know, what, what was in your perspective, the reason that people buy into stuff like this, where it's just, you're not buying it for like the high quality art, really. Obviously you're getting utility too, but in the art, there's not like high quality. Right. So I, I think that plays back into the, the gaming era, right? 8-bit mm-hmm. games and kind of like that era of gaming. Um, a lot of the people in the NFT space are like from the age of 20 to... 45 and so they grew up playing these like not so great games but they were great back then right so like yeah. think galaga pac-man pong all these like pixel games i think that's where the love and appreciation for that art comes from 
uh, for, you know, CryptoPunks or Just Cubes and like that 8-bit art, right? Um, and I just, I just really think it taps into like a deep subconscious thing of children loving the game that they were playing as they were game, like gaming growing up with friends and then growing up with these friends and investing in like NFT projects that yeah. have similar art, right? I think that's where it comes from. It's the same reason, and it makes sense. It's a good answer. It's the same reason of boomers, like prize possession is like their 1955, you know, car, like Ford Stingray or Ford, uh, you know, whatever, um, muscle car. So I, I get that. That 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 definitely makes sense. Obviously, like if you didn't play those games, or if you, you know, someone, if you're like 21 years old right now, <laughs> you never experienced games at that level. So it's just you don't get it. Uh, but it makes sense. Uh, so, you know, kind of backing up here, you've, you've had two successful projects and, you know, you're working on a lot of other things within Web3. You know, we'll talk about the future of Web3 and overall the whole community and, and the, the whole industry. But I want to, you know, understand you a little bit more. We talked about skill stacking in the back, in, in, uh, you know, earlier in the show. What is it from e-commerce and the ability to sell things? You, know, you talked about like the idea of like just a picture of something that sells online helps you launch these product uh, these projects in in web3 like what from ecom transit translated into into web3 um i i i think it really just it boils down to one thing and that's like understanding the like human connection to the internet and and just like understanding how to sell to humans in general right and so it that answer is like the short answer but sure. the longer answer is I started door knocking, selling lawn mowing services at a young age, right? And so I did that. And then I did solar sales in between all these different things of like learning Facebook ads. You know, at some point, those Facebook ads were not making any money and I had to make money at some, some somehow. So selling solar, um, I had a solar cleaning business at one point and I was running Facebook ads through that. And so it was a lot of just door knocking and... Yeah getting doors shut in my face and getting turned down to understand how to sell to someone. And then it came, you know, skill stacking, right? I was like, okay, I'm not getting any better at this. How can I? And then it was learning, right? Yeah. Um, now I, I never went to college. I did like one semester and I think I failed all my classes and then I dropped <laughs> out. And so I was like, I, I, I value education. I don't value the structured college system. And so I was like, okay, what am I going to learn? I need to learn sales because that's what I'm in right now. And so I just learned sales and continuously was implementing what I was going to say at the door when I was presenting to these, you know, homeowners of a service to sell to them. And so I think a lot of my human understanding and the ability to sell comes from that and then it just kind of trickled into e-commerce and understanding the consumer mindset. Uh, and it, it really played into like crypto as well and understanding your market and the target demographic that you're, you're, you know, selling something to, or, or at least putting something in front of. Uh, and I, I think that plays a, a huge factor in, in the reason that we were successful in the long term. Yeah. I, I like that you put it that way because I have this conversation a lot with people who, you know, I'm not an expert salesman myself, but I understand that, if you're afraid of sales, it's easy to kind of just back up and say, and look at what sales is, right? What is sales? Sales is you have something that people want, they have something that you want, and you're just helping them make the decision to make the trade. 
at the end of the day, if it's if they value what you have enough, or if you have a good offer, or if you're you know persuasive enough, it's they're you're gonna make them make that trade, and that's that's a sales transaction, and hopefully you know you're selling something that is good for them and is ethically or whatever you know good for them, uh, and you're helping them just make that decision that you believe strongly is right for them. So it's it's really not that's really at the core of what it is. And if people who kind of get scared of sales, they, they, you know, they, they look at it like, Oh, it's like this sleazy thing, but it's really, it's really not. And if you understand it at its core, like how I just put it, that translates from to any industry. Like you said, you're, you're just understanding the consumer, the market, where, where they live, where they interact, where their attention is, and then how to put the product in front of them, how to offer it to them and, you know, make the transaction. So I think it makes sense, you know, just understanding, the basics of sales is going to help you obviously in e-com and in web three. Uh, and you know, with the attention, the attention span and the, and the global, uh, you know, hype around web three definitely helps you out too. <laughs> um, yeah, that, but, that a hundred percent played a factor into, you know, launching what we did, uh, successfully, or at least, you know, for now successfully, who knows what yeah. the future holds, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, Web3, obviously, crypto, NFTs, all of it is super young uh, relative to any technology. Most people don't even understand. It. I'm pretty sure a majority of people have no idea how it works and they think it's BS. Uh, would you also say that e-com, you know, for the brand owners listening, is very young and it still needs like a lot of, I mean, would you agree that it just needs a lot of runway to innovate? You know, we're only, what, 20 years into this like online commerce thing? Yeah, I, I, I absolutely, I, I would agree with that statement. You know, look at, look at any industry that's been around for over, let's say a hundred years or, or let's just, let's just say 50 years. It's easier to count yeah. that many, right? You got automotive and uh, real estate. Real estate hasn't developed very much, but look at automotive, the techno, like the technological advancement in, in automobile over the last 50 years has just been astronomical. So granted, it's not something so new that it's going to have that much advancement, but I do believe that, you know, e-commerce and selling online as a whole is going to be one of the biggest industries we have an opportunity to take advantage of literally at our fingertips from the use of a cell phone. You can launch an e-commerce brand nowadays, you know, with Shopify. I literally know someone who launched a six-figure e-commerce brand, did it from his phone entirely, and Never then finally bought a computer with the profits. <laughs> yeah, I swear. And it's 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 crazy. So I definitely do foresee the the technology advancing um, tremendously. And I I still keep a pulse on the market quite a bit and talk talk with you know media buyers and agency owners quite a bit still. And so it's something that I'm I'm still paying attention to. I still potentially would want to come back into um, maybe in a different aspect, maybe as a brand owner, you know, uh, I, I do love launching this whiskey brand and like launching a brand and owning it was a very fun experience for me when we, we launched the real dapper fit. And so I, I would consider coming back and doing that again, God forbid, you know, all my crypto web three stuff just, you know, hits the fan or, you know, blockchain doesn't exist eight months from now. So yeah. uh, I, I definitely still foresee a, a massive, massive amount of innovation coming to the e-commerce space over the next couple of years. 
I definitely agree. I mean, we've had founders on the show as guests that are working on, you know, SaaS companies or different ways of innovating the online experience or, you know, the online marketing of, from, you know, from a technological standpoint of, of, of e-commerce. And if you think about it, like Shopify has been around, I think 10, 15 years, but they've only been mainstream for like five, like it's only been five to yeah. seven years ish where big eight, nine figure brands have built their store on Shopify or migrated from like a custom built right. uh, store to Shopify. And so, you know, Shopify is like the number one right now, but who knows what it's going to be in another five, 10 years, who knows what the online commerce experience looks like. You know, we're still using Visa, Amex, and MasterCard as our main payment processing a hundred years into it. That's obviously going to change. Um, and it's already starting to, uh, I mean, PayPal's made a dent, but you know, crypto is going to make a dent in that. So overall, like there's going to be a lot of things where technology and Web3 disrupts e-com. So I want to get your your take on where you see that intersection going, because it's, I mean, we're so early in Web3, but how is it going to affect overall e-commerce or just the average brand owner? That's an interesting question. It, it, there, it could go so many routes, right? And I think one of the, the biggest routes that it will go is um, the route of like StockX or GOAT, right? Mm -hmm. The certification and authenticity of an asset, of a piece of clothing, of a pair of shoes. Um, you know, there's, there's a clothing brand and they, they call it Fidgetal, physical and digital ownership of a, a, a physical garment of clothing, right? And they're called unique low, uniquely. I don't know how to pronounce it. They, I know. Exactly some yeah, 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 exactly. So um, they do this really well and they have these embedded um, little tags inside of their clothing and you can scan your phone next to it and it'll pop up with the NFT. Right. And so I think that will be a, a huge avenue for brands and um, you know, online retailers to tap into to one avoid these fake uh, knockoff unauthentic items and really help mitigate that market from growing um, and there's just there's a lot of opportunity for the e-commerce space and the web3 space to kind of like conjoin obviously payments yeah um, same point that's, that's a massive 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 one right um, the ability and scalability of the blockchain for that specifically is insane. Um, and so I, I, I think those are probably two points that would definitely be at the top of my radar and like that I would be paying attention to as a brand owner. You know, adopting crypto payments sooner than your competition could be a good thing, could be beneficial, right? That gives you, you know, that edgy kind of forward facing um, tech tech focused kind of brand, I guess, position that you can now utilize on social media to gain just that much more market share, right? Yeah. So as a brand owner, I'm imagining the huge value add is you're saving much, much money on, on processing fees, you know, instead of paying 3% to Stripe or Shopify pay or whatever it is, you know, you're, you're probably giving up a couple, couple cents every now and then to polygon or you know whatever whatever blockchain you're transacting on what is the value add for the average consumer why why would they let's say in 10 10 years why would they be 
shopping on a Shopify store with their MetaMask wallet instead of their credit card? Um, because I think we're going to see in the next 10 years, a lot of like banks and these credit cards and, and, and just, just the whole system in general, having this giant kind of reset and it's probably not going to be pretty, um, Mm -hmm. you know, fractional reserve banking, just, it literally doesn't make sense at all if you understand the concept of it. Um, and so at some point this system has to break. And there's a reason that these governments are, you know, now purchasing a ton of Bitcoin, accepting it uh, at, you know, DMVs. You know, there's a reason El Salvador, uh, you know, turned it into an acceptable payment system throughout their entire country. It's because yeah. this technology is so functional and it works really, really, really well. Granted, there are still a bunch of flaws to iron out and issues that you have to address before it can become mainstream. But you know, I think that this like globalist kind of push to have a one world currency or, or things like that will be a driving factor in cryptocurrency being adopted by, you know, your mom and my mom in the coming years, you know, and them actually using that because uh, they don't want to use this one world currency or maybe it's, you know, the, the digital US dollar, um, yeah. you know there's a pilot program going on right now for the yeah. digital us dollar it's a dusd and yeah. that's scary because when they take away that that physical intangible thing it just turns into numbers on a screen at some point right and so if it's just numbers on a screen then why should you be able to like infinitely print more of it just like mm-hmm. they're doing with the us dollar as it is if there's a finite supply, the supply and demand, it the, the economics just work with blockchain technology. And and so that's that's why I, I really truly believe in in the future of blockchain technology being integrated into e-commerce and and just everyday life at a, a massive, massive rate over the next five to ten years. Yeah, I mean it solves a lot of problems, you know, and I think people definitely have to understand how inefficient our our conventional banking system can be. And, you know, like, like you said, the government is already piloting digital currencies because they understand that. I mean, I think I just saw a headline last week or the week before where the government lost like $500 billion or a trillion dollars or something. I forget what it was, but there's been headlines like that all the time. Like there was a couple headlines like that. Um, I remember specifically around nine 11 and people thought that was like a conspiracy where the government can't find a trillion dollars or something that, you know, whatever, um, you know, we, we, we lend money to other governments all, all the time. And there's a lot of, you know, trillions and trillions of dollars of debt, um, that is hard to track. And, you know, once the institutions, and I think you're right, once the institutions start to catch on, the consumer is going to have no choice. Uh, if, if, if my bank saying, you know, Hey, you know, your checking account with TD is, is here, but, you know, get this bonus for signing up with our digital wallet. Right. And, you know, putting half your money in ETH or whatever it is. Now it becomes a, a mainstream standard to start having a MetaMask wallet or whatever whatever the wallet is and shopping with it. Um, and I think, you know, God knows how long that might take, but it's, it's going to come in some way, shape or form. I think it's going to be interesting to see how efficient it happens the first go around. Like it's going to be hard to like zoom out and be like, oh, this is going well, or this is not going well. Uh, 
you know, I would love to talk to someone that was like in finance when like online banking started to be a thing and seeing like how that went, <laughs> um, you know, when we started actually having digital co like collections and ledgers of our, of our money. But I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting to see kind of how these, I, I guess you could call them like big players are going about doing things. They're, they're really, when you look at it and you look at the statements from these larger businesses like banking or even, you know, Facebook and Meta, right? People don't know that they've been building metaverses and crypto focused things for years. Microsoft has been developing a metaverse for six years now. Mm -hmm. That's not an understanding of mainstream, you know, people, right? Because they're not ready. I think over the next couple of years, when these big corporations are ready, they're they're gonna go, all right, turn it on. Like we built the systems, turn it on. Right. And and all of I in my mind, I kind of like diving down conspiracy theory rabbit holes or like trying to just understand from different perspectives. And I I truly believe that the the big banks and the big people that actually run these giant corporations across the world are conspiring together to launch a cryptocurrency and or cryptocurrency system or metaverse all at once mm -hmm. so that the the little guys me who are building something in the space have no advantage and and are just completely wiped out right yeah because they want to they they want they want control they want power. to own everything. They want power. And who has the most you know? power? It's the U.S. because it's the world's reserve currency. <laughs> exactly. And so, you know, and and you have a bunch of these bigger nations looking at that and going, okay, how can we undermine that with our own crypto or with our own right. metaverse? Or how can we start, you know, taking out of their economy? Um, you know, and so I think, I think there's just going to be this massive switch one day. And it's just going to happen and everyone's going to forget that it happened like that one day. Like it's sure. just going to be one of like the biggest financial events in history and it'll just happen at the flip of a switch, right? Or at the, the, the press of a button or at like the yes of a phone call, like, all right, today's the day we're going to like, and then everybody <laughs> changed the world today. Versus, right. Exactly. And so um, I think that's a little scary uh, and like conspiracy theorist, but um you know, I, well, I, we I have you on tape. We'll come back to that. At some point. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> Clip that. Send it to me, please. Um, yeah. But you did, you did mention one thing that I just want to touch on briefly before we continue is you said a lot of your audience doesn't understand like NFT technology and how it can be used because they're e-commerce, e-commerce focused. Right. So if you are still with us, thank you for listening for so long. Um, I tend to ramble on at some points, but the easiest way to understand NFT technology specifically is digital ownership, right? So just like your customer gets an email receipt with, you know, their order ID with crypto technology and NFTs, they could purchase said hat from your website and get a hat NFT that is their proof of purchase, right? But it doesn't go to their email. It just goes to their NFT wallet or their wallet, right? Their crypto wallet. And so it's just digital ownership. Digital proof of ownership is all NFTs are. Yeah. 
And so diving deeper into that, right? It's not just brand owners, everybody. Like there's a majority, very vast majority of people do not understand Web3 crypto, blockchain, NFTs. Uh, what, how, how do they acquire those skills? What skills do they need? Like how do they, if I'm a brand owner and I'm like, all right, I'm convinced, you know, I gotta, I gotta start getting with the times here. I don't want to like do what Adam did and drop everything and go into Web3. But, you know, I want to I want to understand it because when it when that time comes, if the day comes where a flip a switch is flipped or, you know, whatever, if it's a gradual change, I want to be prepared. So, you know, I'm a technologist. I'm prepared for the future. How do I do it? Uh, listening to, to podcasts like this and, and just like doing a little bit of research here and there on, you know, hey, what's new in the crypto and NFT space this month? Like what, what softwares are integrating with Stripe? What softwares are, you know, now accepting payments on Shopify in cryptocurrency? Like just keeping a pulse on the market and that like the transition right there. Cause once you start to identify, you know, softwares that are coming out that you can start implementing in your business and using that rely on, uh, NFT or crypto or blockchain technology. Um, I think that will keep you at the forefront of understanding what's going on in the industry and what's going on with those industries merging together. Right. And so I think you'll be able to identify, um, you know, opportunities and pounce on them before your competition. Right. So listening to podcasts like this, um, and listening to a podcast with, somebody from the NFT space and learning yeah. something new coming onto an e-commerce podcast, right? Like this year I have a big goal of going onto a lot more of like entrepreneurship business focused podcasts and talking about blockchain technology and my business knowledge. And I think that just listening to these things, paying attention, keeping your pulse on the finger, Gary Vee is a perfect person to follow. Cause he's just like, I, whether you like him or hate him, he's got a really good pulse on the market yeah. and just like, pop culture and the culture in general. So yeah. paying attention to what those big players are doing is a, is a really good way to keep your, your eye on the market and figure out what you can do as a, a brand owner to incorporate crypto when it's the right time for your brand, right? Like don't go out tomorrow and just, you know, try to create NFTs off your, your clothing brand that has 6,000 <laughs> followers on Instagram. Like it's just, it won't be adopted very, very sure quickly. Right. Whereas if Lululemon did it, well, it would work because mm -hmm. it's Lululemon, right? right. Um, and I think there's, I think there's a big opportunity for brands who do something like Starbucks did, which is they created an NFT program, but they didn't call it an NFT, right? You don't, you can call it whatever the hell you want. Yeah. The customer, it doesn't matter to the customer how their transaction happens. If your customer swipes their credit card or, you know, inputs their credit card information on your website and clicks checkout, they don't care what payment process processor you use in the back end to yeah. complete that payment. They just care that it got completed. And so when NFT technology comes into the space and is able to make that seamless transition, there's going to be a ton of opportunity there um, to, to really utilize nft and blockchain technology in your in your brand especially especially in the back end without customers knowing yeah exactly if it's seamless and it's it's and it's not something that requires a big barrier to education to transact with it's going to be it's going to be easy for for your customers to adapt 
And I think you, you hit the nail on the head. Like podcasts are a great resource because there's so many niche knowledge bases of, of people that, you know, spread their, their, their wisdom on, on different topics. And there's very niche podcasts for each thing that you're looking for. Um, I would also recommend, uh, fo- like you said, follow the brands and see what they're doing. Follow the Starbucks and the Lululem- Lululemons of the world, but also like follow the headlines of, you know, certain, you know, influential, I don't want to say news outlets, but people that are covering this space, Twitter and LinkedIn are really good for this. If you, if you find a information page that is really covering the web three space or the e-commerce space very closely, read those articles that come out because it's, it's going to give you, I mean, there's, if you follow the right pages, there's a headline every day that's worth reading. Um, you know, and when I was getting into crypto and NFT and just understanding it, not like becoming a big player, I would click on those articles at least once a day and just, you know, skim through it, get, learn a little bit more every day. Um, you know, again, preparing yourself for what the future is going to bring. That would be my advice. Um, you know, moving on here, talking about blockchain bottles and just cubes and, you know, I'm sure you got a, a couple other things coming. What is the biggest challenge that you're facing other than a, a bear market in your projects? And, and, you know, how are you, how are you dealing with that and preparing for it? Oh my gosh. That's so funny that you said other than a bear market, because that was literally my answer. Like you, <laughs> sent me, you, you sent me these notes before the podcast and my answer was going to be <laughs> Sorry. the bear market. No, I mean, uh, a bear market's a good answer, right? It's not a bad answer. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I think, I think the, I think it's probably the loss of people and interest in the space as a whole, right? Like we were building really cool things. We still are. And we were getting a lot of just instantaneous feedback. Like imagine launching a clothing brand and like you put this hat design in your discord and you're like, yo, yes or no. Right. And you instantly have 400 answers telling you whether to put this to market or not. Like that was, that was the feedback we were getting. So we were able to really quickly develop our business ideas and, and like our vision for the future for the brand and for the business. Uh, and then the bear market came and like, there's barely anyone interacting. Like we kind of have to make the decisions on our own, which we want the community to be involved in, but it's just dead. Like it, it, it really is. It's just dead. The, the bear market sure. is the number one hardest thing to to combat right now yeah i get it i've seen a lot of developers not bail on their projects in a malicious way but they're like you know there's no point in doing this anymore as much as i i love the 20 of you guys i can't get back the 2000 of of the people that i had you know six months ago um and so i totally get it um i guess what do you do do you just are you like you know as a as a founder in the space are you just kind of like waiting it out or um, yeah, I mean, to an extent there's, there's waiting it out. It's definitely slower. Like, um, you know, my, I don't have 20 hour work days anymore, but then again, I also have kind of went down this rabbit hole of like trying to treat my body the way it needs to be treated. And like actually, you know, being in this for the long run, cause I don't want to be 40 years old and just can't, can't go anymore. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Like I was saying, I went down this like rabbit hole of of self care and and taking care of my body, um, a big time during this bear market, and really just getting my myself mentally and physically ready, as well as continuing to develop new ideas and 
structuring the back end of the business better so that we can take on funding. We're, we're going to raise capital here pretty soon for a software that we're going to develop and, and deliver to market pretty soon. Um, and so just learning and studying and, and growing and skill stacking. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you were saying, stacking skills, learning, becoming better, networking a ton. And yeah, I, I launched a podcast. I launched a yeah. So I launched a podcast as well in the NFT space. And I, I'm utilizing that as a way to, you know, continuously keep my pulse on the market, even though I run businesses in the space, but also be able to interview people who are higher up or that I look up to in the space um, from a knowledge perspective and be able to ask them the questions that I want to ask them about growing a business in this space. Um, and so I'm utilizing that a ton to stay active in the space, continuously trying to grow the space by putting out content related to NFTs and crypto. And um, it just, it also helps give me another thing to do uh, after, you know, managing the other businesses. Yeah, makes sense. It's like coach, coach putting you on the bench and saying, "Hey, you know, get ready, stay loose. You're gonna be back in on the fourth quarter, <laughs> and yep. you're just staying yep. loose." This is this is sense. the warm up. We're we're staying loose. Yeah. Yep. Uh, what would you classify as your biggest success? Uh, you mentioned a couple uh, financially, but you know, different different companies, different projects. Um, you know, <laughs> I, you you've owned some of the big name mm-hmm. NFTs, which some would say is like a huge success, owning like a board ape and stuff, but you know, what, what, what would you in, in Adam Andrew's mind say is your biggest success? Biggest success. Um, in business, right? Any, anything business or mm. life. Yeah. Pro- probably pro- like, honestly, probably launching just cubes. Like that was, that was a pretty big moment, dude. You know, we, I've done some crazy numbers for our clients in, in the, the media buying space and, and Facebook advertising. Like I was looking at results the other day and I was like, damn, I used to be pretty good. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's been a minute since I last ran an ad, but like, Oh shit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, dude, I think, I think launching just cubes, man, we, we did a really, really good job. Um, you know, there were certain circumstances that came into play during our mint day, uh, discord crashed where, it was just out of our hands, man. We couldn't do anything about it, but, um, sure. yeah, dude, we, we put in a lot of sweat equity and, um, this is in a video that's going to be posted soon anyway. So I'll just tell you, uh, we turned six K into 1.9 million in nine months. I think it's in your uh, that's bio including... your Instagram as well. <laughs> oh, is it really? Um, and yeah, so, so we, we, we turned six K into 1.9 million in nine months. And then we did another 500,000 in like royalties and, and other business services that we offered. Uh, and so that was, that was a pretty big one. Um, this is just cubes. I think, yeah, this is just cubes. Yeah. yeah so you're talking about uh, like 1.9 million in, in revenue on the project through royalties. Yeah. 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 Um, through, through the, the, the initial mint day, like the sale of yeah. the NFTs themselves and then on top royalties as well. And, and we offer um, business services for other projects to offer a similar utility that we offer to right. their projects. But right. you know, it's it's a software as a service, right? So uh, we have that. Uh, I I do have a grand vision for Just Cubes for the next like three years, three to five years of just becoming a a giant 
conglomerate of a SaaS product, right? Somewhere where a grandma can come to our website, get set up and understand crypto and then be able to utilize it in whatever industry that she wants to utilize it in, right? Like buying clothes online, like you need a wallet, right? So um, I really want to turn it into like, I guess conglomerate was probably the wrong word, but like ecosystem of sure. different utilities and things that you can get access to. Uh, and so that's, that's my, that's my grand vision for just cubes for the next, I think three to five years. That's awesome. It's a very grand vision. And I think it's like, you mentioned this a little bit earlier where you education is super important and it's kind of your job right now to kind of educate as many as you can. And a lot of, a lot of people have said that because it's, it's the biggest same thing with the, when the internet launched, like people didn't know what the internet was, how to use it, it, what its utility was. And it's the same thing with this space, you know, web one or web three or whatever. Um, and so, you know, we need, we need more educated people in the space to, to really utilize it. So I'm, I'm very interested in seeing how you guys fulfill that vision. Uh, we'd love to have you back in, you know, however long, you know, a year and kind of look back and say, Oh, let's see the progress that we've made in a year or three years or five years and see, you know, what just cube is doing to, to make a dent in the space. But, um, my, I guess my last question before we get into our roundup is, you know, when you started in crypto, um, it's kind of crazy just to give context. I started to learn about crypto late 2020 and you got in nine months after me and still launched two projects before I did. <laughs> so you're a, you're a quick action taker, man. That's pretty awesome. Uh, but uh, what I will say is, I guess what I will ask is, you know, going back to August, September, you barely knew as much as you did now. What do you wish you knew back then? Obviously, a lot of things went right, but what things maybe went wrong that you just wish you could have avoided or knew? $700,000 in a lost play because I didn't know how to mint from a contract, bro. How did that, how did that happen? Um, so there's this project called Neo Tokyo and they, they created this like, yeah, Alex Becker's project. Yeah. And so they created this like riddle ecosystem that was just like scattered online. You had to figure out, um, what different things meant anyways it got you onto the list to mint the nfts that they were dropping neo tokyo citizens is what they were called yeah and so well they were called identities and then they turned into citizens but um i was in wave two so i was like the 400th person or something out of probably twelve thousand that was able to mint so my wallet was at like whitelisted for this mm -hmm. mint and I didn't understand how to mint from a contract at that point. And um, I say it's a $700,000 misplay because that's what the floor price was at the top, like the tippity top of the NFT market. Um, but I mean, literally within three days, it was a $50,000 loss that, yeah. that I could have avoided had I known how to mint from a smart contract. So yeah. like just understanding like one simple thing of how to interact with a smart contract uh was yeah easily easily a half a million dollars lost yeah it goes i back wish to i could write it off right yeah right yeah, <laughs> it does it does yeah it does go back to preparation man and and just understanding the market you're in it was dude i think i was like 19 days in at that point i hadn't even had my <laughs> that thirty thousand dollar trade that i that i had made um i don't think i made that at that point yet so I was sure. still super fresh and just didn't understand how to mint from a contract. And I wish I did. 
I really yeah. wish I did. Yeah. Interesting. It's a, it's a, it's going to be a common trend for a lot of people not knowing the basic stuff. So, you know, make sure you know it, make sure you do some Googling, some YouTubing, some podcasting. All right. So one question we'd like to ask all of our guests as we wrap up here at the end of the show, if you could sit in a room with a bunch of mentors once every morning to help guide you, advise you throughout your day, uh, they could be alive or dead. Who would be in that room? Hmm. I like that question. That's an interesting one. I need to come <laughs> up with something to end my podcasts like that. Um, yeah. I would, is there like a max, like five no, or seven? I have like, I have like okay. nine or 10 or 11 people. <laughs> yeah. The, the ones that just like immediately come to mind are Andrew Carnegie, um, Sam Walton, Elon mm-hmm. Musk, of, like just, of course, fucking genius. Um, Gary V for sure. Um, and somebody who's like very in depth in the industry that I'm in is Alex Becker. And I'm sure, sure a lot of you guys listening know who Alex Becker is. Uh, just very smart businessman, e-commerce focused NFTs and crypto. Uh, definitely Alex Becker. And I think that, that that's like, that's kind of it that comes to mind, right? Right off the bat. Um, there was one, Oh, Henry Ford. I was just reading mm-hmm. a book that quoted him and I was like, gosh, I, I would have, I'd, I'd give a lot of money to speak to him. You know what I mean? So I think he, he would be in there as well. Um, and I think that's it that, that comes to mind, you know, right off the, right off the rip. Yeah. You really hope the Andrew Carnegie, Sam Walton, the Henry Ford, you know, in another hundred years, you really hope those names don't die out because of how much of an influence they had and how, just how brilliant they were in their own respects. Uh, yeah, seriously. You know, I mean, Henry Ford just, transformed manufacturing <laughs> yeah. um, and yep. efficiency, you know, operationally. So, you know, just things like that. It's, uh, you know, people got to study those, those people more because they're, there's a reason they're classic <laughs> and, and they have classic ideals, but I like there's those answers. This, <laughs> there's, there's this quote. Thank you. Uh, there's, there's this quote or I study rather than quote that was done. And it, it comes back to like, those older names not dying the way to prove that a book has legs and is actually something especially in the business space that has value is how long it's existed for so look at think and grow rich how to win friends Mm -hmm. and influence people you know um sam walton's what is it made america yeah made america um so if you just look at the older books that have stand like stood the tests of time and learning from those i think you have a really good head on your shoulders and like you can learn some some extremely valuable skills that will stay here for a very long time if you if you understand that concept of of you know being here for the long run and having that knowledge like actually be valuable yeah. So you're saying like if the books are still being printed and they still quote unquote exist, then obviously right. they're still valuable hundred years later. The, so however the, long the older the book that ha- is still being printed and still being purchased and sold yeah. a lot is a very, very valuable book. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. 
That's that's very interesting. Good way to look at it. Uh, look at the mm -hmm. classics first. <laughs> a yep. lot of people will yep. write books and they're not all that good. So, you know, look at the ones that have stood the test of time. Well, cool, Adam. It's been a it's been a pleasure. This is awesome. I know there's a lot of cool stories that were sh shared and a lot of knowledge that was dropped. So I'm um, super excited for the people to listen to this. Uh, where can people follow you, your projects, everything that you're doing, get to know, you know, get to follow you and what you're doing? Yeah. Um, Twitter is a super great way to connect with me. It's just at Adam Andrews 97. That's my handle everywhere. So Instagram, Twitter, uh, you know, wherever you want to find me, it's Adam Andrews 97. I'll, I'll give you some of the links as well for, for yeah, my we'll businesses that we spoke about. So you can put them in the podcast show notes, but um, yeah, thank you again for having me, dude. It was a great conversation. I, I love having conversations like this and just thinking deeply about things and, and how things can interlink together specifically yeah. e-commerce and, and web three in this podcast. Uh, yeah, dude, I had a great time. Um, look forward to listening to the episode and sharing it with some friends. Yeah, same. It's been awesome. Uh, what is your podcast, by the way, so that everyone can check it out? We talked about resources. Yeah, it's it's called NFT Bros Podcast. So okay, uh, yeah, nice. That's Go it. check it out. We'll put a link in the description. <laughs> cool. Thank you. All right. Cheers, Thanks, guys. Adam. See you all later, and go check out uh, our show on GoRocketCart.com slash Mission Control, and you can see our, our podcast uh, and all the different episodes of Mission Control. So thank you all, and see you next time.